energy so stalling, yeah. Everybody's running scared. We used to be so carefree, we used to be so happy, we used to have everything we need. Village Mentality, where melanated people are connected in spirit, love, and community. What's up, kings and queens? Beautiful people everywhere. It's your girl, C.K. McGee, and I am your host. Hey there, beautiful people. How's everyone doing? I pray that you're all doing as well as you can be. Welcome to another episode of Village Mentality. I'm so glad to have you all here with me in the village, and you're welcome to join me each and every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I'd also like to give a very warm welcome to those of you who may be tuning in for the very first time. Now, if you're looking to see what Village Mentality is all about, then you're welcome to catch up on all previous episodes of Village Mentality on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Radio Public, and The Awakened Lounge. And I also provide links to each episode on both Instagram and Facebook, and I'll share those with you at the end of the show. But thanks again to all of you for joining. As a mental health and wellness advocate with lived experience with mental health conditions, each week I'll be talking about different topics that could impact our mental health. Now, I'm focused on BIPOC communities because as an African-American woman, I'm extremely concerned about communities of color and their mental health. Now, when I refer to BIPOC, for those of you who may not be aware of what that represents, BIPOC refers to people who identify as Black, Indigenous, and people of color, which includes Latin and Asian-American Pacific Islanders. Now, there are various groups that are represented under that acronym, and it's not that there's a higher prevalence of mental health conditions within these communities, but it's important to note the obstacles that communities of color face with regard to their access to mental health care, resources, and services. Now, it's true, we may not all have mental illness, I get it, but we do all have mental health and we need to make sure that we're taking care of it. The purpose of this podcast is to bring awareness to the many different ways in which our mental health can be affected, showing that poor mental health outcomes are not always caused by chemical imbalance, but it can also be from various stressors, trauma, or circumstances that we all face from time to time in our lives. Through education and advocacy by individuals like myself who have lived experience, and that's whether it be with mental health conditions or if you have lived experience with substance use, the hope is that we'll be able to show up in more effective ways to support those around us that may be suffering. Through my advocacy, I'm working to destigmatize mental illness and to normalize the facilitation of conversations around our mental health. The stigma of mental illness and conversations about mental health are much more difficult for marginalized and intersectional groups, and it interferes with our ability to take care of our mental health as we should. 
Now, self-care, beautiful people, it's very important. And I'm always talking to you about it. And I'm going to keep talking to you about it, all right? Because I'm concerned that you're not understanding just how important practicing self-care is. Now, if you're someone who's constantly pouring into others, right? You're doing for everybody else. You're thinking about everybody else. I mean, dudes, really? You think that there's not going to be a time that you're not going to need to replenish all that energy that you pour out into the world? Come on, let's keep it a buck. There are so many different ways that you can practice self-care, especially when we view it holistically. The benefits of learning to take care of ourselves extends beyond us, and it has a positive impact on all those whom we encounter. Now, for someone who's in crisis or who may be experiencing emotional distress, self-care will be the furthest thing from your mind. And I totally and completely get that. Because in all truth, self-care, it's something that we grow into. It's not an automatic practice, right? Especially if you've been in crisis. But what's important about it is that when we begin the process of learning how to identify the things that we need to do in order to take better care of ourselves, not only do you feel good, but you'll be able to show up for others more effectively. Self-care is for everyone. That's right, Kings, for you too. And we need to realize that it's about self-preservation. Think about all the things, everything else that matters to us, right? Look at how much time we take to take care of those things, to take care of others. We have to stop allowing ourselves and others to cause us to feel guilty for taking some time to take care of ourselves. Because listen, at the end of the day, they're the ones that's going to reap the benefits. So check in with your needs and live each day in a way that protects your mental health because it is an integral part of your total well-being. Self-care helps us to rejuvenate our spirits and souls so that we can continue to be the fantabulous kings and queens that we most definitely are. And I'll be right here to remind us of that fact every single chance I get. You dig? Now, if you've heard the show before, then you know that there'll be plenty of music too. I know y'all have heard that this is the 50th anniversary of hip-hop music, right? Something that people said back in the day would not last. But here it is, beautiful people, on and popping. So this evening, I thought, because last week we did the Kings, so you know I'm going to have to keep it balanced. And we're going to listen to the queens of hip-hop this week. So I hope that you'll sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Now. Without further ado, I believe that it's time for me to take my first walk of the evening to my musical jukebox. Okay, beautiful people. So we're going to start this evening off with a song by this American hip-hop artist from her third studio album, Black Rain, released in 1993. Now, this song focused on confronting disrespect of women in society, addressing issues of street harassment, domestic violence, and slurs against women in hip-hop culture. Because of its message, many radio and television studios and stations would play the song without censoring the words, excuse me, mom, bitch, and hoes, which appeared often in the lyrics, particularly the chorus and the line, who you calling a bitch? That ends each verse of the song. The song samples Message from the Inner City by the Crusaders, a Houston-based jazz group. The song was also featured on Living Single, this hip-hop artist series, which began that same year. The song won the 1995 Grammy Award for Best Rap Solo Performance, and the song remains their biggest hit in the United States to date. 
and her only song to reach the top 30 of the Billboard Hot 100. Here is royalty personified Queen Latifah with Unity.
That was Lauren Hill with her song, Doo-Wop, That Thing. And it was from her solo studio album, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill, released in 1998. It was written and produced by Hill. Now, Doo-Wop, That Thing became Hill's first and only U.S. Billboard Hot 100 number one hit. It marked the first U.S. number one written, produced, and recorded by one soul queen since Debbie Gibson's Lost in Your Eyes. Actually, I like that song, too. That came out in 1989. Now. This one debuted atop the Billboard Hot 100, making it the first hip-hop song by a soloist to debut at number one and the first debut single to premiere atop the chart. It also marked the first song by a woman rapper to peak at number one on the Hot 100 and remained the only solo song by a female rapper to debut at number one for nearly a quarter of a century afterwards. Word? Now, the song reached number one on the R&B hip-hop airplay chart and surpassed 50 million audience listeners on radio, which was a record at the time for a hip-hop song. Critically acclaimed, Doo-Wop That Thing was named the best single of the year by Rolling Stone. It went on to win Best Female R&B Vocal Performance and Best R&B Song at the 41st Annual Grammy Awards in 1999. Well, Village, you know me. I like to take a little time to talk about some things, you know, whether it be about current events, entertainment, or something that's just on my mind. So why don't we get into my segment called Let's Talk About It. So beautiful people, one of the first things that we need to know is that our mental health is just as important as our physical health. Village, I need you to understand that. Yes, I keep, I keep saying it to you. I'm going to keep saying it. Now, I know that we've been talking a lot about mental health since the pandemic, but this is a subject that we'll be talking about more now, right? But it's always been something that we've needed to talk about in truth, right? It's something we need to acknowledge. It's something that we need to accept. But there's always a reason for everything. And the fact that we were home during that time, you know, during the pandemic, it allowed us to pay attention to this very important matter. Now, Gen Z and youth in general are definitely more open than previous generations with their mental health, particularly with their peers. I think that's a fact. But the stigma and barriers to seeking support, well, they still exist. Some are still hesitant to bring their concerns up with parents or caregivers because they aren't sure how they'll react. They don't want to worry them or to be a burden. They're worried that they'll be labeled. And so for many other valid reasons, they don't talk about some of their struggles sometimes. Some kids worry about being stereotyped, for example. And in some communities, depression can be misunderstood as laziness or lack of motivation. Now, our young kings and queens can sometimes fear being judged by others or singled out. Now, you can create a home environment where emotions are discussed openly and without shame within your family or with an important young person in your life. Acknowledging the stigma while letting them know that it's safe and welcome to share. It can also help address concerns that a young person might be having. So Village, here are nine tips from Brightline to help you talk to your children about their mental health. First up, share your own feelings, all right? 
Dillage, you know if you've been listening to this podcast for as long as you've been, you know I share my feelings. So share your feelings. There's nothing wrong with it. When you model that emotions are common and healthy to talk about, a young person will be more likely to feel comfortable opening up. Now, if you're going to sit there in judgment and criticism, well, they're just going to um, <laughs> totally just not talk to you at all. Okay? So it's important to be in a stable place where you're coping as well before you share, you know, whether you're having extreme sadness or anxiety or anger in the moment, you know, because that right there is a little bit much for our young kings and queens. All right? So just keep that in mind. Number two, talk together about mental health at their level. Don't come trying to be a professor, okay? Sweeping mental health experiences under the rug can contribute to shame and stigma. A good way to open this door could be to talk about it as it comes up in your family, the community, or even in the news. A reference to someone they might admire, you know, could also help. I mean, we could talk about Simone Biles, right? Remember her, the gymnast who was courageous enough to say, I need a moment, okay? And I'm not ready to continue to compete. And she didn't care that it was during the Olympics, right? How about Naomi Osaka, right? She is an awesome tennis player, but she too was able to have the courage to say, I need some time, right? So talk about it at their level. Three, encourage them to open up to. Let them know that talking about what they're feeling, even when it's hard or uncomfortable, is a normal part. It's a healthy part of life, all right? Four, understand the role of sibling dynamics. Are you the oldest? Are you the middle child or are you the baby? Where are you in the family, okay? If you have siblings, you'll want to be aware of dynamics when it comes to mental health. Each young person is individual, and we recommend being sure to see them that way. Right on, right line. That is straight facts. Number five, start small. All right. So when talking about difficult emotions, it can be helpful to start with shorter conversations. We don't need to be here all night. Okay. Every single time, especially if you notice they seem agitated or uncomfortable. You certainly don't want to drag that out, but try it out in a place that you know they're going to be comfortable. uh, So it doesn't seem as intimidating or so it doesn't give off that let's sit down and talk and, and talk about our feelings, right? Try to be creative and think about different ways that you can approach our young kings and queens. Number six, try calming techniques, right? You can try doing breathing exercises with them before or after tough conversations, or if intense feelings come up during the conversation and they need a break, then you can also encourage them to try other coping skills like moving their body, drawing, or naming their feelings. If you know about them, then you know kind of like what their interests are. So, you know, lean into that, if you will. Seven, be present. Let me just, let me just pause for a second. Be present, right? You got to be there, right? In order for it to count, in order for it to matter, in order for it to take, in order for them to feel comfortable with you, you got to be present. You can't be there today, gone tomorrow. You can't tell them I'm going to be there and then not be present. It's important to be fully present and patient at these conversations. Listen attentively. Sometimes adults, we just want to talk too much, don't we? Can't you just be quiet and just listen? Listen does not mean be quiet long enough to wait for your response. What it means is be quiet, listen, listen to what they're saying, how they're saying it, listen to what they don't say, okay? And think about why they're not saying what might be obvious to you. Listen 
Listening is a skill, and not everybody has that skill, okay? We can all hear, unless you're deaf, all right? So develop that skill, keep your mouth shut, let them talk, listen to what they're saying, all right? If they need your advice, they'll ask for it. But if they don't, just be there, be present, all right? Let them share what they're sharing, give them the space to say and feel whatever it is that they have coming up for them. You don't have to correct them, okay? You don't have to put yourself in there. You don't need that. That's not what they're asking you to do. They just want you to listen. There's a time and a place for everything, beautiful people. All right? Number eight, respect their boundaries. Right? If they don't want to share their experiences right away, then back off. Be patient. Respect their choice. Let them know that you're there for them no matter what. That's what's called meeting people where they're at. It's not that you meet them where you think they ought to be different. Meet people where they're at, not where you think they should be. And when they're ready to talk, and if it's you they want to talk to, they'll come. Trust. And last but certainly never least, number nine, let them know that support is always available. Okay? So they can get help if not from you, then you can point them in the direction of others. All right? So I hope that those, um, you know, tips are helpful to you and um, if you know if you still have questions you know I'm always encouraging you guys to do your own research it's really important mental health is a very important matter and I'm so happy that we're all at a place where we're finally you know starting to realize that right so here's to brighter days Village Mentality, the podcast, I've made a commitment to talk about Black History 365 because Black History is American history, and it's important that we learn all about it, all aspects of it, the good, the bad, the ugly, and indifferent. So today in Black History, August 23rd, 1892, inventor Oscar Brown invented the horseshoe. Mm, They've come in handy, right? And also on this day, Booker T. Washington formed the National Negro Business League, otherwise known as the NNBL, in Boston, Massachusetts, on August 23, 1900. Now, Washington saw the league as an opportunity to improve race relations among blacks and whites by creating commercial and financial development among newly freed slaves. He says, at the bottom of education, at the bottom of politics, and even at the bottom of religion itself, there must be, must be for our race. As for all races, there should be an economic foundation, economic prosperity, and economic independence, unquote. Now, Washington said of the organization's mission that this was to all be the case. And he thought that by creating self-sustaining business of their own, self-sustaining businesses of their own, shall I say, he believed that African-Americans could attain equality with whites faster than by focusing on winning political and civil rights alone. The NNBL operated chapters throughout the country, with most of them based in the South. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Black History Wednesday.
My ball, here's the hot rod. Hot 12 rod. inches to a yard and have you sounding like a <laughs> big one of a 6'2 wanna hit you. So what you wanna do? What you wanna mm, do? I wanna shoot.
diamonds, I like stunning, I like shining, I like million dollar deals, where's my pen? Bitch, I'm signing, I like those Balenciagas, the ones that look like socks, I like going to the jeweler, I put rocks all in my watch, I like sexes from my exes when they want a second chance, I like proving wrong, I do what they say I can't, they call me party, party, banging body, spicy mommy, hot tamale, hotter than a Somali, bird, go, go, Hop up the stool, jump in the coop Big dip on top of the roof Flexing on m**** as hard as I can Eating halal, driving a lamb So that bitch, I'm sorry though Got my coins like Mario Yeah, they call me Cardi B I run this shit like cardio Diamond district in the chain
Village. I'd like to talk with you all this evening about stigma and discrimination and how it impacts people with mental health conditions. Now, for those of you who are regular listeners of this podcast, you know that I identify as a person with lived experience with mental health conditions. I have definitely experienced stigma in my life, more so, I would say, than being discriminated against. But stigma, it can be so very powerful that you'll go to great lengths to remain silent about how much you're struggling because you're so fearful that your friends or family will not understand or that you'll be made to feel even worse than you already do. Now, over the past few decades, we've come a long way in how we view and talk about mental health. And that should come as no surprise because one in five adults in the United States lives with a mental health condition. And many people are also becoming more open to the idea of sharing their personal experiences. But there's still a stigma surrounding mental health. It's a stigma, in fact, that affects millions of people around the world who live with mental health conditions. It affects everything, I should say, from, you know, social relationships and professional opportunities to the way that people view themselves. So let's dive in, Village. What exactly are we talking about with regard to stigma? All right. Now, according to the American Psychological Association, the APA, stigma happens when people are negatively viewed for having a specific characteristic, whether it's a mental health condition, a physical condition or otherwise. Mental health stigma or mental illness stigma refers to the stigma attached to mental health conditions and the discrimination that can happen to people who are living with them. Okay? Now, why is mental health stigmatized? Right? Why do we do that? Now, it's often stigmatized because of lack of understanding, quite frankly right? When we don't understand about the mental health conditions and and what people are dealing with, how they live with them, you know, we have a tendency to be kind of cruel. And stigma can also arise from personal thoughts or religious beliefs about people who have mental health conditions. Now, generally, the lack of understanding about mental health as well as the harmful assumptions about people living with mental health conditions, it's at the heart of a bias or stigma. And this can result in avoidance, rejection, all right? It can also um, result in discrimination, all right, against people who are neurodivergent or who have a mental health condition, right? So when we're talking about, you know, neurodivergence, we're talking about those who live with autism, who are on the spectrum, right? Now, you know me, beautiful people. I want to ensure that you understand things. So I'm going to give you some examples of stigma that are related to mental health. And when we often use the word stigma to describe the overarching experience that people have, right, there are actually three types of stigma that we need to pay attention to, okay? So there's public stigma, self-stigma, and institutional stigma. Now, when we talk about public stigma, you know, we are, you know, talking about the negative attitudes around mental health from people in our society, okay? Self-stigma, it describes the internalized stigma that people with mental health conditions feel about themselves, right? We are, after all, our own worst critics, so that makes sense. And then there's institutional stigma. And this is a type of systemic stigma that arises from corporations, from governments, and other institutions. 
Now, while there are many examples of mental health stigma in society, I'm going to give you some more common instances of stigma related, you know, um, experiences that you might notice, especially if you're a person uh, who lives with mental health conditions, as well as those who may be the ones that are stigmatizing individuals with mental health conditions or that you might be discriminating against. Okay, so here we go. When people are viewed as attention-seeking or weak when they try to reach out and get professional help. Oh my God, here goes Martha again. Yep, right? Did you hear that she was depressed? Right, she'll do anything to get some attention. She's just so needy, right? So, so thirsty, okay? When others use harmful language, such as crazy or insane, to judge or trivialize people who have mental health conditions. You know that crazy nut Bob, that, that crazy nut job Bob, you know, mm-hmm. no, that ain't right. Can't do that. Can't do that. How about when people make jokes about mental health or certain conditions? I don't find anything funny about that, right? Or when people avoid others with certain mental health conditions like schizophrenia because of their fear, because they don't understand. Or when family or friends tell someone with depression that they can get better if they just work it out and get more sun or make other unhelpful judgments, right? If you just get up in the morning, get up every day, it's a brand new day, it's a day filled with opportunities, you know what I'm saying? I mean, come on, don't you see your brother Sean? Look at him. That's not the way, beautiful people. It's not helpful. It's not helpful at all, all right? When someone living with a mental health condition views themselves as worthless or talks down to themselves because of their condition, I have been there and done that, beautiful people. I think I almost do it better than anybody else, right? Just really just dig on ourselves and criticize ourselves and tear ourselves down, even in the midst of the struggle, right? Also, when companies refuse to hire someone or provide them with adequate accommodations because of their mental health, that is discrimination. It's stigma. When people view examples of neurodivergence, you know, again, people who live with autism or identify as on being on the spectrum, you know, as illnesses or something to be cured. So all these things are, are examples. Now, Village, a 2021 study, explored the trends of mental health stigma in the U.S. over a period of more than 20 years. And that was between 1996 and 2018. Now, in that study, researchers reviewed surveys from across the country on attitudes towards various mental health conditions, including schizophrenia, depression, and alcohol dependence. According to the study results from that era between, like, let's say 1996 to 2006, let's just make it even more narrow, people became more knowledgeable about mental health, including acknowledging differences between daily experiences and symptoms of diagnosable conditions, which means even though you can have 10 people in the room and everybody has depression, we all may know all the symptoms that one could experience. It doesn't necessarily mean that one, everybody is going to experience all of the symptoms that we all know exist, or that we're all going to experience them to the same degree, all right? So from 2006 to 2018, there was a significant decrease in social stigma against depression specifically. There was less desire to be socially distanced from people with depression. However, when it came to schizophrenia though, 
when it came to alcohol dependence, not only did social stigma increase, but so did negative perceptions of these conditions. Now, in an earlier study from 2018, it took a slightly different approach in analyzing the social perception of mental and physical health conditions. In this study, researchers used automated software to track over a million tweets related to mental health and physical health over a 50-day period. Now, according to the results of that study, mental health conditions were more likely to be stigmatized and trivialized than physical health conditions. And the results, they actually varied by condition, with schizophrenia being the most stigmatized and obsessive compulsive disorder, otherwise known as OCD, being the most trivialized. Now, Another thing to consider, Village, when we're talking about this topic is intersectionality and mental health, okay? And intersectionality refers to how someone's intersecting identities, you know, such as their race, their gender, sexuality, or class, contribute to their own unique experience with discrimination and oppression. When it comes to mental health, intersectionality can play a huge role, not only in someone's overall mental health, but also in how mental health stigma affects them. For example, research suggests that Black and Latin people experience mental health conditions more severely and persistently than other racial or ethnic groups. And much of this imbalance stems from factors like institutionalized racism, prejudice, and other outside circumstances. Remember how I said in the beginning, right? It's not just from chemical imbalance. That's not the only way that we can have poor mental health outcomes. Triggers, you know, from trauma, right? Circumstances that we're living in, right? Stress, those also can play a role in, you know, the things that impact our mental health in a negative way. So what groups are most at risk for discrimination when receiving mental health care? Although healthcare discrimination can affect people of all backgrounds, some people are more at risk for experiencing discrimination when receiving healthcare or mental health care. For example, a study that was done in 2017 on perceived discrimination in healthcare found that the following groups are more likely to experience discrimination Latinos, African Americans, uninsured people, and people with a diagnosis of any mental health condition. And according to the study results, this discrimination was profound. Latin and people living with mental health conditions were twice as likely to experience discrimination, while un uninsured people were seven times more likely to be discriminated against. All right. So what are some of the effects of stigma um, and discrimination? OK, since we're we're talking about it, let's do it. Mental on our mental health, right? People living with mental health conditions are more likely to experience low self-esteem and lower self-confidence if they are stigmatized. Stigma may lead to difficulties seeking treatment or even following through with treatment, all right? Now, some people may experience increased symptoms of their condition or even develop new ones like anxiety or depression because of stigma. Self-stigma may even hinder someone's ability to recover from a mental health condition. In one smaller study done in 2018, researchers found that higher levels of self-stigma were associated with a decrease in recovering from mental health conditions. That is a straight fact. I can tell you that from my own lived experience. Absolutely, right? It definitely makes it harder for you 
when you yourself are kind of like beating up on yourself or you're you know doubting what it is that you're experiencing your struggles when you're you're doing everything you can really to work to mask and to you know sweep things under the carpet you want to be like everybody else you want to appear like everything is good you want to go out of your way to make sure everybody else is comfortable but meanwhile you're dying inside that's real how about socially social mental health stigma well it leads to isolation from friends and families because you're tired of masking, tired of pretending, and tired of making everybody else feel comfortable when you're not feeling good, right? Sometimes people with mental health conditions can experience things like bullying or harassment from others or even possible physical violence. And when others have a judgmental view of mental health, it can be difficult for people living with these conditions to build relationships with them. Now, Another source has shown that perceived and experienced social stigma may also play a role in suicidality, right? Suicidal ideation among people with mental health conditions. According to the literature, people who experience discrimination, even anticipated discrimination, social stigma and self-stigma may be more likely to experience suicidal ideation. They're going to want to hurt themselves, self-harm, all right? They think that they're worthless, that their lives don't matter. All of that comes into play. That's how important it is. In a professional sense, stigma in the professional world can lead to fewer opportunities to excel at school, fewer opportunities to advance at work. People living with mental health conditions may have difficulty fulfilling school or work obligations, especially if they have trouble with classmates, teachers, coworkers, or bosses, right? And it's not just classmates or, or colleagues who contribute to mental health stigma in a professional setting. Right. There's another source that says when healthcare professionals exhibit negativity toward people with mental health condition, conditions, or if they too have a lack of understanding about these conditions, then it will prevent people from accessing, um, you know, high quality healthcare, mental health support. Right. Doesn't that make sense? If you don't feel supported, why would you go to a mental health professional? I can't tell you how many people as I support my community, both professionally and in, you know, in the community at large. A lot of times, oftentimes, these individuals have mental health professionals, but they actually prefer coming to me. Because really, all people who want Village is to be heard, to be seen, to be understood. They want to be able to talk about things, through things, process their thoughts, you know, and they want to do it without being judged, without criticism without being made to feel like there's something wrong with them, right? So some of the steps that we can take to reduce stigma, because, you know, we always have to have a solution, don't we? Learn about the mental health condition that you or a loved one and or friend or colleague is dealing with, is living with. Learn about it, right? And not because you want to be the smartest person in the room, but so that you have an understanding and so that you can provide effective support. Use and choose your words carefully. Do you need to think about what you say? You absolutely do. Because wouldn't you want people to think about what they say to you? It's so very simple when you think about it, right? Do you think that you should just go out there and just be reckless at the mouth with people? And think that, you know, because I shouldn't have to think about anything. I should be able to say what I want. I should be able to say it how I want. Is that how you want to be treated? It's very simple, beautiful people. It's very simple, right? Take part in campaigns. Things that bring awareness and education. And you know what? You can go ahead and share your story. 
I've done that from time to time here and there, right? It's really important that people know that they can, you know, relate to you, that you do understand, that you do get it. So kings and queens, I really do hope that this information is of help to you. And the more that we take the time to understand ourselves and one another, I do believe that the better our relationships with ourselves and each other can and will be very much improved, right? Here's to brighter days.
Me, I'm super fly, super duper fly, super duper fly. Me, I'm super fly, super duper fly, super duper fly. Me, I'm super fly, super duper fly, super duper fly. Me, I'm super fly. When the rain hits my window, I take it. Me, some. Me and Timberland, we sang a dangle. We so tight that you get our styles tangled. Sway your dosey doe like you loco. Can we get thinking night like Coco? So so. You wanna play with my yo yo? I smoke my on the dilo. Got the keys to the Jeep. I'm driving to the beach. Top down, loud sound, see my peace. Give them pounds now, look who it be. It be me, me, me and Timothy. Look like it's about to rain, what a shame. I got the armor or the shine of the same. Old Missy, try to maintain. I can't stand the rain. I feel the wind. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, nine, ten. Begin. I sit on heels like Loren until the rain starts coming down already on the chair. I got my umbrella. My finger waves these days. They fall like chumpy. I break up with him before he dump, dump. They have me yes, you lucky, yes, you lucky. I can't stand the rain. 
That was Eve with Gangster Love, the lead single from her album, Evolution, released in 2002. The song features R&B soul singer Alicia Keys. Now, Gangsta Lovin' became Eve's second consecutive number two hit on the Billboard Hot 100, as well as her third consecutive top 10 hit in the United Kingdom. When being asked in an interview why she chose Keys to be on the song, Eve said, I love Alicia. I mean, I think she's incredibly talented, and I needed a girl on the song. And why not, Alicia Keys? I agree, Eve. I feel you. And it was followed by Rain, Super Duper Fly, which is the debut solo single by American rapper Missy Misdemeanor Elliott. It was written and composed by Don Bryant, Bernard Bernie Miller, Elliott, and producer Timberland for her debut album Super Duper Fly, released in 1997. And it contains a sample of Ann Peoples' 1973 single, I Can't Stand the Rain, whose lyrics serve as the chorus. The song peaked at number six in 1997, and Larry Flick from Bill, Billboard wrote, Elliot commits more than a misdemeanor <laughs> with her first solo single, The Rain. Having scored a handful of hits, writing and producing for such acts as Aaliyah, 702, SWV, and Genuine. The Rain, Super Duper Fly, was named the fourth best single of 1997. Okay, beautiful people, it's time for this week's inspirational story. And the name of this story is called The Pretty One. The Pretty One. Here's the story. It had been a very long night, and our black cocker spaniel, Precious, was having a difficult delivery. I lay on the floor beside her in her large four-foot square cage, watching her every movement, watching and waiting just in case I had to rush her to the vet. After six hours, the puppies started to appear. The firstborn was black and white. The second and third puppies were tan and brown in color. The fourth and fifth were also spotted black and white. One, two, three, four, five. I counted to myself as I walked down the hallway to wake my wife, Judy, and tell her that everything was fine. As we walked back down the hallway and into the spare bedroom, I noticed a sixth puppy had been born and was now laying all by itself over to the side of the cage. I picked up the small puppy and laid it on top of the large pile of puppies who were whining and trying to nurse on their mother. Precious immediately pushed the small puppy away from the rest of the group. She refused to recognize it as a member of her family. I know that feeling. Now, something's wrong, said Judy. I reached over and picked up the puppy. My heart sank inside my chest when I saw the little puppy had a cleft lip and palate and could not close its little mouth. I decided right then and there that if there was any way to save this animal, I was gonna give it my best shot. I took the puppy to the vet and was told nothing could be done unless we were willing to spend about $1,000 to try and correct the defect. The vet told us that the puppy would die mainly because it could not suckle. After turning home, Judy and I decided that we could not afford to spend that kind of money without getting some type of assurance from the vet that the puppy had a chance to live. However, that did not stop me from purchasing a syringe and feeding the puppy by hand. The little puppy survived and learned to eat on his own as long as it was soft canned food. 
the fifth week, I placed an ad in the newspaper, and within a week, we had people interested in all the pups except the one with a deformity. Late one afternoon, I went to the store to pick up a few groceries, and upon returning, I happened to see the old, retired school teacher who lived across the street from us, waving at me. She had read in the paper that we had puppies and was wondering if she might get one from us for her grandson and his family. I told her all the puppies had found homes, but I would keep my eyes open for anyone else who might have an available Cocker Spaniel. I also mentioned that if someone should change their mind, I'd let her know. So within days, all but one of the puppies had been picked up by their new families. This left me with one brown and tan cocker, as well as a smaller puppy with the cleft lip and palate. Two days passed without me hearing anything from the gentleman who had been promised a tan and brown pup. I telephoned the school teacher and told her I had one puppy left and that she was welcome to come and look at it. She advised me that she was going to pick up the grandson and would be over that evening at 8 o'clock. That night around 7.30, Judy and I were eating supper when we heard a knock at the door. When I opened the door, the man who had wanted the tan and brown pup was standing there. We walked inside, took care of the adoption details, and I handed him the puppy. Judy and I didn't know what we were going to say to the teacher when she showed up with her grandson. At exactly 8 o'clock, the doorbell rang. I opened the door, and there was the school teacher with her grandson standing behind her. Now, I explained to her that the man had come for the puppy after all, and there were no puppies left. I'm sorry, Jeffrey. They found homes for all the puppies, she told her grandson. Just at that moment, the small puppy left in the bedroom began to yelp. My puppy! My puppy! yelled the little boy as he ran out from behind his grandmother. I just about fell over when I saw the small child also had a cleft lip and palate. The boy ran past me as fast as he could down the hallway to where the puppy was still yelping. When the three of us made it to the bedroom, the small boy was holding the puppy in his arms. He looked up at his grandmother and said, Look, Grandma, they found homes for all the puppies except the pretty one. And he looks just like me. The school teacher turned to us. Is this puppy available? Yes, I answered. The puppy is available. The little boy who was now hugging the puppy chimed in. My grandma told me these kinds of puppies are really expensive and that I have to take real good care of it. The lady opened her purse, but I reached over and pushed her hand back down into the purse so that she would not pull her wallet out. How much do you think the puppy is worth? I asked the boy. About a dollar? No, this puppy is very, very expensive, he replied. More than a dollar, I asked. I'm afraid so, said his grandmother. Mm -hmm. The boy stood there, pressing the small puppy against his cheek. We could not possibly take less than $2 for this puppy, Judy said, squeezing my hand. Like you said, it's the pretty one. The school teacher took out $2 and handed it to the young boy. It's your dog now, Jeffrey. You pay the man. Still holding the puppy tightly, the boy proudly handed me the money. Any worries I'd had about the puppy's future were gone. Village. Now, I know that as I was reading the story, it sounded like maybe I could have been reading it by myself, but I wasn't. It's a story that I'm just sharing with you, right? I can't tell you how many times I read this story, and each time I felt my eyes water as I did. 
you know, it can be pretty tough being a teenager, right? You know, especially if you're different in any kind of way. I'm sure you remember, you know, those times where maybe you may not have been feeling so good about yourself or perhaps you felt like you were not as good looking or, you know, something else that you had been feeling, right? I can tell you that I have definitely been there with all of that. So what's the moral of the story, Village? Well, the moral of the story is that I hope that whoever is listening to this inspirational story, mm, I hope that when you look in the mirror, okay, I'm hoping that you are going to feel like you are the pretty one too because you are and I hope that you know just how much you matter In the middle, yeah, movie in the middle. In the middle, 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 movie in the middle.
the middle, yo, mo, mo, what is she? Moni in the middle, Moni in the middle, in the middle, yeah, Moni in the middle, in the middle, Moni in the middle, in the middle, yo, mo, mo, what is she? Moni in the middle, Moni in the Moni in the Moni in the middle, Moni in the Moni in the Moni in the middle, Moni in the Moni in the Moni in the middle, the middle, the middle, the 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 middle, Moni in the Moni in the Moni in the middle, Moni in the Moni in the Moni in the middle, Moni in the Moni in the Moni in the middle, the middle, the middle, the 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 middle. Right up your alleyway. 
skip the moet, let's chill with some Alize. Enough stress in our day. Let me massage your mind as my mental starts to play. A ghetto sauce if you are, and I'll be your sexual chocolate bar. And I gotta keep strong for the cause, and you gotta keep me strong for the tours. Brother, man, and me, damn the family. What else could we be with no one understands up but me? You were the first to tame me. Uh, big teeth. <laughs> I'm out. Now that was Moni in the Middle by Moni Love, who was actually born Simone Gooden. But, you know, of course, we know her as Moni Love. And she's a British, you know, um, hip hop star and actress. And she is also a radio personality. And it was followed by one of my favorite collaborations, Brandy, with her remix of I Want to Be Down, which, of course, features Queen Latifah and Yo-Yo and MC Light. Love that so, so very much. So I hope that you guys enjoyed the little celebration that we had here. Last week, we did the Kings of Hip Hop. This week, we did the Queens of Hip Hop. And, you know, I'm really, you know, I really lean toward maybe old school hip hop more so than today's. Um, I'd say that some of the newer ones that I had on here, you know, would have been like Cardi B. Um, But, you know, even in this genre of hip hop, you know, there's a lot of artists out there, right? And, you know, I can remember when hip hop first came out, you know, the way that it sounded, not everybody was down with it, not everybody. But as it evolved, right, then it picked up more and more, um, you know, popularity. And so I really find that My favorite part, I think, of hip hop is probably like in the late 80s, in the 90s as well. So hope you enjoyed. And if you are lucky enough to be able to go to any of the celebrations that they have or any of the tours that they have, um, you know, celebrating 50 years of hip hop. Remember, they said it wasn't going to last, but here it is. They're still having a blast. And I'm grateful that we've had the opportunity to experience, you know, a, a, a form of music that was all our own, right, created by us us and that was just great it was great so I hope you've enjoyed those those songs Well, kings and queens, it looks like we've come to the end of another show. I do hope that the information provided will be of help to you. Remember, it's always a good idea to do your own research, no matter what the topic is, especially if your life is involved. It is always a pleasure and an honor to be here with you in the village each and every week. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I look forward to being with you all again here in the village each and every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
please be sure to follow Village Mentality on Instagram at villagementality.ckm as in Mary and on Facebook at Village Mentality the Podcast. You can catch all episodes of Village Mentality on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Radio Public, and there are links to each episode. Again, they're both available. All those links are available on Instagram and Facebook. On Instagram, it's villagementality.ckm, and on Facebook, it's villagementalitythepodcast. As well, you can catch it on theawakenlounge.com backslash village hyphen mentality. And just remember that God has got me, and he's got you too. Be blessed, beautiful people, and here's to brighter days. She's so stalling, yeah Everybody's running scared We used to be so carefree We used to be so happy we used to have everything we need yeah, wow.